do this. Turn to the book of Luke. And as you do, Luke is the third book in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke. I know some of you uh, have the kinds of jobs that have you busy this time of year more than any other time. Maybe you're in retail. Uh, maybe you work in the, uh, for UPS or you work in mail delivery of some kind. Some of you work in packaging and you're working and you're doing all these things. And I just want to even specifically say thank you for being here today. I know Christmas uh, for the world appears to be this wonderful, peaceful moment. But for many people, uh, the holidays are hard, either because you're missing family members either because you may be alone or feel lonely, or you may just be tired because of the nature of your work. So thank you for taking a step of faith today and being here at High Point. I believe I've got a message that's going to encourage you and help you uh, in starting the year off right. Let's pray. Father, we, we thank you for how good and gracious you are to us. You're good and you're gracious. And you love us. Father, we desire to grow and we desire to become more like you. So God, let this Christmas be a moment for us to really walk in fresh grace and become more like you. Amen. Are you a humble person? That's your question to wrestle with this morning. Don't you love questions like that? Are you a humble person? Because if you say no, well, then you sound kind of like an arrogant jerk. Like, no, I'm not, I'm not humble at all. But if you say, yeah, I'm humble, well, you still sound arrogant. There's no good way to answer this question. Are you a humble person? And yet, it's a question that, frankly, you need to wrestle with. Do you have a heart that is humble before God and before other people? Whether you're a teenager this morning, are you humble? Are you humble before mom and dad? Are you humble before your brothers and your sisters? Are you humble before your spouse, your pastor, your friends? Are you humble, most importantly, before the Lord? Or are you proud? Thick wall around your heart. No one can say anything to you difficult. Always have something to say. Are you a humble person this morning? The reason I'm getting to this is we're going to read uh, from Luke chapter 2, and, and we're going to read about the story of Jesus uh, being prophesied his birth through uh, the Virgin Mary, his mother. And you have to ask yourself questions when you read the Bible, like, why did God choose Mary, why did God choose Joseph to be the mother and father of Jesus? And if he chose them because they had certain you know, qualities, certain aspects to, to their walk with the Lord, it would make sense. Not only do we want to emulate Jesus, but there are times in the scriptures where we see the manner in which someone walks and the manner in which someone has a relationship with God where I can literally say to myself, I, I want to be like that. I want to grow in that. I want to become more like this person. And I have to tell you, when I read about Mary, Mary is an incredible person in the Bible. 
We're in a series called My Crazy Family Tree. Mary's crazy, but she's not crazy for bad reasons. She's crazy because she demonstrates the kind of strength that you would marvel at if you knew her. She demonstrates the kind of humility that's just jaw-dropping. It's amazing. It's what you would call crazy, right? So let's read Luke chapter 2, and we're going to get into the life of Mary just a little bit today. Uh, excuse me, Luke chapter 1. Sorry, the screen behind you, you know, wasn't there to help or correct. Luke chapter 1, verse 26 through 28. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, that's Mary's cousin, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Now Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what, what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus, he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Now, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that an angel has never shown up in your bedroom in this kind of capacity before. If an angel has, I'd love to. I'd actually love to hear about that. Um, but I'm going to go out on a limb and say, you haven't had a message given to you by an angel in this, in, this, in this fashion. And if you did, you would probably be in the same camp as Mary in that you would be terrified. Your bones would be shaking. You'd think, this is the end. This is it. I've got seconds before I die. My end of the rope is finally here. These are the natural things that you would be thinking. And the angel understanding this, and in most uh, occasions in the Bible when an angel appears, the first words out of the angel's mouth are, don't, don't be afraid. <laughs> don't, don't do anything stupid right now. Right? I know you're terrified, but you don't have any reason to be. Let's calm him down. Take a step back. Take a deep breath. It's going to be okay. I've got news for you. It's great news. You're going to give birth to a son. His name is Jesus. He's the Messiah. Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Now, Mary's terrified. Um, let me ask you this. When's the last time you got some news that overwhelmed you? I don't just mean bad news because in theory, this is great news. Hear me. This is great news, but in the moment, this kind of news would also feel like, oh, my gosh. Only you may not want to use those words. You know, there might be some other words that are te you're tempted to come out of your mouth in this moment. Overwhelming news. Think about, think about getting a promotion for a minute. So-and-so just took another job, and you just got promotion. Congratulations. You're excited about it. 
You're pumped about it because it probably means you're going to be making a little bit more. But all of a sudden, the phone, you know, you put the phone down and you think, oh, now I've really got to like, I got to step it up. I got to do this. I got to actually make this happen. I've got to be better at the life I was currently just living. Now when more is expected of me, this feels instantly, it's good news, but it's also overwhelming news. Think about it for a minute. When people get pregnant, yes, they're, they're happy, but also sometimes you're, what, surprised? When we had our fourth child and Amy surprised me on, I think it was like Christmas Eve or right before with a little stocking. And we weren't planning to have four children. This was our bonus child. And I did not see it coming. And I, I am a gift. I love gifts. I love opening gifts. I love giving gifts. I love gifts of all kind. Amy will sometimes surprise me with like a Twix or a Snicker bar. And I'm like, you know me so well. I'm so happy right now that you thought enough to buy me a 59-cent candy bar. It doesn't matter. I love gifts. So I have this little thing to open, and in surprise, it was, a, it was a pair of socks or something. I can't even remember clearly. It was so shocking. It, my mind just was so seared in the moment. It's, she hasn't let anybody see it. She's afraid of what our fourth child might think of me when, she, when they see the video because I am so stunned. Are you serious? <laughs> and you have the laughter that kind of happens, and then all of a sudden tears also start happening at the same time, and I have no control over my emotions. I don't even know what I'm feeling. I'm instantly, completely overwhelmed. I don't know what I'm going to do. I need to excuse myself and go pray. News can be overwhelming, can it not? You have, I promise you, you've experienced news that's overwhelmed you at times. And sometimes in a great way, sometimes in a bad way. So-and-so is sick, so-and-so went to the hospital, and instantly you feel the weight of something. Well, Mary, interestingly enough, she is terrified by the news of an angel literally showing up in her, in her home, in her room. But you know what she doesn't demonstrate in any way, shape, or form? Is feeling the pressure and weight of the news that she is carrying the Messiah. And I find this amazing because throughout the Bible, we see leader after leader after leader after leader giving God excuses. And how God, he understands the human heart and he continues to move in their lives. Moses. Moses gave God every excuse he could find for why God couldn't use him. Aaron gave God excuses for why he shouldn't be used. Even Adam had excuses for, for why things happened. He blamed it on his wife. There was always an excuse for something, for what God could or couldn't do. You had Gideon in the Old Testament. From the smallest tribe, surely God couldn't use Gideon. Elijah, I'm the only one. Surely just take my life. There's, there's nothing more that I, you can do through me, Lord. Excuse after excuse after excuse. We see even Esther 
giving excuses. We see Ruth providing excuses for why God can't move in their family line, why I can't go and present myself to the king, why I can't do this, why God can't do that. Excuse after excuse, and yet we never see Mary buck one moment when she is given the news that she will be carrying the Messiah and giving birth to God's very own son. This is an incredible woman. And she's probably 12 or 13 years old, might I add. She says in verse 34, how will this be? <laughs> like an inquisitive 13-year-old probably would be. I went and got free milkshakes because at Chick-fil-A, Chick-fil-A by our house, they do the 12 days of Christmas and they give away free food every day. And yesterday was milkshakes. And I packed up Caroline. I, I, I didn't call any of you because I wanted to make sure I got my own. I wanted to make sure that they had enough on stock for the king house. Okay, so, so I, I, Graham and Caroline, we got in the car, my two oldest. And by the time I got home with, with a couple milkshakes, I looked, I was so exhausted. I said, Amy, I, I, I have been, my children have asked 5,000 questions in 15 minutes of driving in the car. I am overwhelmed with the amount of questions that are being asked. Mary understandably, she's young. She is inquisitive. How, like, how is this actually going to happen? This isn't a faithless question. This is a question of practicality, as in, how is this really logistically going to happen, Lord? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. No word from God will ever fail. And then Mary, she has the response that if... If I could encourage you to sear into the depths of your heart. She has one of the most incredible re responses recorded in all of Scripture. She literally says, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. The angel left her. I am the Lord's servant, she says. As in... I'm here to serve you. I'm here to serve your purposes, your plans, your kingdom. I am yours. Do with me as you would choose to do with me. My life is yours, Lord. In fact, not in some passive way like, Lord, okay, I just, whatever you want to do, go ahead and do it. And you know, we've all had prayers like that. Where, where you just don't know what to pray and rather than praying with any kind of boldness or any kind of faith, we just kind of, you know, we, 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 we just kind of throw it into the wind like, Lord, you're God and I'm not and you're just, you're in control. And, and, and while there's, that's true, 
And sometimes that's a, that's a good, faithful prayer. Hear me. Oftentimes we just, we don't know what to pray. And sometimes we can be passive about it. But Mary is literally standing in front of an angel and she's saying, may your word to me be fulfilled. There is some boldness in that. You're saying that to an angel who's given you the news that you're carrying the Messiah. You've got some strength on you. Oh, and by the way, I am the Lord's servant. The real word here, if you look at the Greek, is bondservant, which is closer to the word slave than it is servant. Meaning, God, I'm, I'm, I'm chained to you. Where you go, I'm going. Where you tell me to go, I'm going to go. What you tell me to do, I'm going to do. I'm yours. That is what we call, ladies and gentlemen, a tremendous amount of humility. See, when we give God excuses, or in my case, I love to, I love to coach the Lord, don't you? I love to encourage God on His timing. I like to help God out. You know, the timing isn't really the way I need it to be right now, Lord. I need you to move a little bit faster. I realize I don't see you working here. And so, God, I need you to flex your muscle a little bit more. I need you to work a little harder in this area. I need you to provide a little bit more. Do a little bit here. Do a little bit over there. God, come on. Somehow in my 39 years of living, I have the capacity to give God advice on how he should do his job and how he should do it better. Does anybody else fall into the same pattern of wanting to give God advice on how to do his job? That's what we call pride. You know better. And a lot of times I think I do. Unfortunately. <laughs> and I need to ask God to forgive me. and Repent and turn from it. And ask him to help me have a humble heart. God, I am your servant. I'm here to serve you. What you say is what goes. Where you tell me to go, I'll go. What you tell me to do, I'll do it. May your word to me be fulfilled. I'm your servant. Philippians chapter 2, in describing Jesus, verse 5 through 8, the Bible says something interesting here. We've just seen this incredible demonstration of humility from a 13-year-old. And might I add, you don't just, you know, this isn't some slot machine moment where Mary just surprised, has a moment of humility before the Lord. How does she even have that? We don't see it, we don't have access to it. But I, I, I'm certain that Mary has a heart and a life where she's patterned herself like this with God. She knows the scriptures we know because in a moment after she's had the baby, after she's had Jesus, she sings a song and most of it is quotations from the Old Testament. She knows the word. It's deep inside of her heart. She's got a relationship with God and something about this girl catches God's attention. 
And it's not that she just had a one-time moment where she suddenly acted in a manner that was humble. No, that's not how God works with his people. She's living her life, even at this young, incredible age, in a way where she's open to God, doing whatever he wants to do in her life. In Philippians 2, 5 through 8, the Bible says that in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Jesus did not use his heavenly, royal nature to his advantage. Rather, the Bible says, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Now, God had, or Jesus had his heavenly father that he was in constant communion with. But I also want to help you out. His parents weren't too shabby. Jesus had a great earthly dad, and he had an incredibly strong and humble mother. In fact, you can say that with great confidence, there's only one person that was with Jesus with his first breath. And was also present with Jesus at his very last. There's only one person that was alive, and that's his mother, Mary. When Jesus rose again from the grave and appeared in the home with the disciples, guess who was present? Mary. The Bible says that she was praying. And then his brothers had shown up as, and were present as well. This is an extraordinary thing because if there's anybody, we often look at Peter, you know, and he had this denial of Jesus three times and the hardness and the hurt that was in his heart. How hurt would you have been if you were Jesus' mother and you had literally mothered the Messiah, given birth to God's very own son, raised him, loved him, cherished him, and at 33 years of age, you get to stand and watch your son die on a cross. And yet instead of being bitter, instead of being angry, instead of being hopeless, what is she doing with the disciples? She's present right in the thick of it, and she's praying. She's an incredible woman. Now, we don't worship Mary. Maybe if you grew up Catholic, that might be similar to what you're used to. We don't worship Mary, but there is great reason for you and I to take pause and say, man, Lord, look what you did in her life. Or look at the qualities in which how she lived. I want to grow in that. And in 2020, we've got a new year on us. One of the greatest things you could do for yourself and for your relationship with God is you could grow in humility. Humility is the bedrock by which everything else grows in your life. Think about it for a second. If you are humble, if you will let God work in your life, what can God not do? It's the times where I dig my heels in. It's the time where I know better. It's the times where I'm fighting God, where I'm resisting God, where I'm avoiding God. That God has to work in ways that are difficult in my life to get my attention. 
But when you're humble, when you're soft clay and he can shape you and form you and move in your life, what can he not do? What can he not do in your life and through your life, whether you're in high school, whether you're in middle school, whether you're 95, whether you're 19? God can do extraordinary things through your life. And he has great plans for you. He has great purposes for you. But it is the, the man and woman with a humble heart that he breathes those purposes and plans to life in. Humility is the recognition of God's magnificence and our insignificance compared to him. There was a story I was reading this past week. In the late 1800s, there was an evangelist here in the United States. His name uh, was, was D.L. Moody. And there's a Moody Bible Institute in Chicago. And, and he did a lot of work in the Northeast. He was arguably the most famous minister in the late 1800s. Just a prolific ministry. People from literally around the world would come to be equipped, to be trained by him, and to hear his preaching. And so he's in Massachusetts, and he has a conference for other pastors, and all these pastors from Europe have arrived. And they have dorm rooms that they're staying in, and they're getting ready for a week of training with Moody, the greatest minister and evangelist at this time in human history. And as Moody is walking the halls of his, uh, not monastery, but the little conference area that he's in, he sees all these shoes that are sitting outside the dorm rooms. And he's curious as to why all these shoes are sitting out. And he asks some questions to some of the people that work there with him, and he puts two and two together that these European pastors are used to setting their shoes out and a servant coming and cleaning their shoes and polishing them for the next day. Moody smiles, and they, there's no one on staff to do such a thing. But he thinks to himself, you know what, I'm going to bless these guys. And so he gathers all the shoes from all the different pastors, and brings them into his room. And the greatest minister and the greatest evangelist in the late 1800s is literally found polishing all the shoes of these other ministers and these other pastors because there's nothing too great or, 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 or nothing too small that God can't use him to do. He's not too proud for God to use him in this way. There aren't some you know, measure of excuses for why he can't do that or why God shouldn't use him to do that. He literally stoops, literally stoops, and spends the evening polishing the shoes of all the different pastors that are here at this conference. And I, I love this story because for many of us, we find ourselves proud. We find ourselves, dare I say, use the word arrogant before the Lord in the sense that we want God to use us on our terms. But it is the person that is humble, the person of lowly circumstances, that God uses, the one who makes himself nothing like the son of Jesus did, the son of Jesus, the son of God did. <clears throat> so this Christmas, 
Here's what I want to ask you to do. An angel is not going to show up in your bedroom and tell you that you are going to give birth to the Messiah. That isn't going to happen. I have news for you. So Merry Christmas. But God still may be knocking on the door of your heart with plans and purposes that you need to humbly accept. It may be something simple. It may be a literal action, a one-word response to someone. But when we ask ourselves, how can we grow in humility? Well, humility grows in your life and in your heart one decision at a time, one moment at a time, one action at a time. And Mary demonstrated a complete humility before the Lord at numerous occasions. But what about you? What does it look like for you to walk in humility with one another? To walk in humility before the Lord, your brothers and your sisters, your church family. What does it look like for you to truly be humble this year in 2020? It may look like you caring for a sick parent. giving your time and energy for another and humbling yourself. This wasn't my plan. This wasn't the purpose that I thought you had for me, Lord. And yet it's exactly what God is asking you to do. It requires humility to lower yourself and let God move. Choosing to be grateful even when you don't have the job or the salary that you think you deserve. And humbling yourself and choosing to be content. All the while, in faith, asking for God to continue opening doors for you. But I choose humility and I humble myself before you. Giving and sacrificing for somebody else, maybe at church, maybe in your neighborhood. Giving your time to someone when it isn't convenient or when it doesn't really benefit you. Because humility puts others first. Just like Jesus who emptied himself and literally became a man. And he humbled himself for you and for me. I'll close with this in Philippians chapter 2. The verses right before the section that we just read in verse 3. Paul writes, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility. Value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Do you want to know God's plans for you in 2020? I realize there are specific things that God's probably knocking on the door of your heart about, but I can promise you what goes with it is you loving people with a reckless love the way Jesus loves you. Humbling yourself, giving of yourself, sacrificing of yourself, literally lowering yourself for the sake of another. God wants to do that in your life. That means husbands and wives, when that trash can is overflowing and you know what it looks like when there's so much trash in it and you're thinking to yourself, somebody else is going to do this. And so you keep putting trash in it. It looks like you lowering yourself because you're not too big to take the trash out. 
simple decisions, yet God works in the hearts of people who will make little decisions just like that for the sake of his honor and glory. Stacking chairs at a church. Serving, giving, quick to forgive, quick to apologize, valuing others above yourself. Valuing God's plans above your plans. Want God to move in your life this year? Grow in humility. One decision at a time. God, I'm your servant. Use me. May your word to me be fulfilled. Father, thank you. We love you. We worship you. We ask that you'd help us grow in humility this year.